Hey everybody and welcome to the Point Forward Podcast. This is Justin. I'm here and we're here with PJ. PJ, how you doing, man? Good, dude. How are you doing? I'm very good. So we're excited to be bringing you the first official episode of the podcast today. Uh, we'll be covering a lot of season preview stuff for uh, the upcoming season, which is starting this next Tuesday. We're taping this on a Sunday, so we're excited to get into some of these topics. And uh, I know we talked a little bit in our little preview episode, but uh, we'll be covering a lot of random NBA topics and just looking to have fun with this podcast, and uh, we're excited to bring it to you guys. Uh, PJ, do you have anything to add? No, not, I don't, that's basically it. We're kind of just going to figure this thing out as we go along. Um, but, yeah, we'll probably do have some weekly segments, talk about whatever the kind of the current things, big stories that are coming out every week, and then try to just do a, a story, maybe something else we want to dive into a, a week. So that's kind of the initial format we have for this. But, no, just try to figure this thing out as we go and have some fun with it. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, so please uh, feel free to follow us at at the point forward on Twitter. Leave us um, leave us some feedback. Uh, we have an email set up. It's at the point forward NBA at gmail dot com. So if you have any questions or feedback or segment ideas, we'd love to hear them. Uh, we like PJ said, we'll have some recurring segments every every episode for the most part but today will be a little bit different since it's kind of a season preview so uh we'll kind of hit some random topics like the gm survey that just came out this week and stuff like that so with that pj let's get into it man um let's uh to start let's talk about some stuff that happened during the off season it was very busy with free agency and random and random stuff going on in the nba atmosphere uh you know one one thing to kind of start with uh, it's kind of a, a more sad topic, but very interesting nonetheless. It's Chris Bosch uh, looking like he's not going to be playing again this season. You know, what what are your thoughts about everything that's coming out on that story? Well, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a pretty big bummer. Um, definitely feel bad for Chris Bosch. It's a, a tough situation, a second straight season getting cut short because of blood clots. And it's kind of like no one's really a winner in this just because Chris obviously wants to play um, is some conflicting you know reports kind of from the heat camp as far as what communication the heat and him have had on the topic and you know you have to first always prioritize your general well-being and your health um, it's just just a game and he's, he's had a very successful career so far but um, it is kind of interesting you know he believes he's clear to play he's able to play and um the heat doctor's kind of saying the opposite of that and kind of how they're handling his his contract and everything possibly gonna release him in march to prevent any any other team from him being eligible to the playoffs that's the one part that kind of doesn't sit well with me yeah what do you think about that i think it's i think it's i mean i know Pat Riley is all about getting W's, and he's been kind of a ruthless character in the NBA, but it seems kind of extreme considering everything that's happened with Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think with a guy that's, you've, you know, contri- that's contributed to your franchise, so a championship player, future Hall of Famer, um, especially look at how things in the offseason with Dwayne Wade kind of de- 
Duvall, too. It's 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 pretty unfortunate. Um, and I just think you know the Heat. Well, we'll get into this later, but you know I don't really see the Heat as a perennial you know contender going forward. Are there? I don't see them, especially this year, being in a position to be, con- you know, going for the one or two or seed in the East. So, you know, I think if if Chris wants to play and it's just you're not comfortable him playing on your franchise, just should be doing kind of a mutual breakup and and go from there and let let him kind of try try to make a run on another squad somewhere. Right, and it's it's unfortunate too because I think if you have if you have Chris Bosch on that heat roster, I mean, they may be able to do something in the East, right? I mean, oh, they're, absolutely. they're a pretty solid playoff team with Chris Bosch. He's their best player, or, you know, you, I guess you could make the argument that Hassan Whiteside may be a little bit more important to them, but Chris Bosch, he's, he's a big deal. I mean, he could do a lot of things, space the four, he can play the four, he can play the five. Uh, yeah. Hopefully he can be healthy. And hopefully if he can make a comeback this season, that, he can be signed earlier as opposed to being later. And it sounds like the, it sounds like the players association may step in if, you know, Pat Riley's holding off waving him until March or whatever it is. But I would be surprised if it ends up getting to that point and hopefully he's just healthy and he can play. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you good case scenario, maybe that some different test results come back later. All of a sudden, you're saying, "All right, Chris, you know, maybe we, we give you a shot here. We get you back in this rotation." Yeah, just because, I mean, it's the Miami team is a lot younger than it was a year ago. They've got um, a lot of young young pieces on that team. It'd be good to kind of have Chris guide them. That championship experience, being the last remaining of the the big three from the for the Heat, and it's right. kind of crazy to think about that. Um, it'd be nice to kind of see that transition go go well. Right, well, we'll make sure we update if we hear anything on this podcast, but you know, a little a slightly more happy topic, at least a, a pr- pretty funny thing to watch is all the fun the Cavs have been having this offseason going to, you know, Kevin Love, Richard Jefferson, LeBron, J.R. Smith, them all being at Indians games like I mean, it's been pretty bizarre to see uh, and one thing I wanted to ask you PJ, uh you know, it's a, it's been such a big deal for the Indians to be making the playoffs, something that no one was really anticipating. Uh, the Cubs, it I mean, people expected them to be good this year, but why aren't why aren't Bulls players showing the same love at Wrigley? Well, I mean, they actually have. I mean, Dwayne Wade has been at I think most of the playoff games. Check out his Snapchat. He's okay. Been, all right, he's been perusing. He's been in the box. He's been been there with Gabrielle. So. He's definitely been representing. I think Scotty Pippen last night was saying the seventh inning stretch for the Cubs uh, during their clincher last night. But uh, no, it's kind of cool. But it's it's weird to think that how how things change in a year for with the, with Cleveland sports in general. I mean, the Cavs are in the champ win the championship, and it's kind of cleveland might be a title town all of a sudden you get the indians in there it's uh yeah i don't think the browns are flipping that script anytime soon no it's just a little bit too much winning i think for cleveland fans at this point they need to kind of slow slow down but i mean you've been seeing this a lot too with even uh, i know carl anthony town some of the other t wolves root on the links for their WNBA championship sure it's like it's kind of cool i think uh you see more and more 
different teams, you know, different athletes from sports supporting the other local teams and being hourly um, supportive. I know Kyle Long for the Bears does the same thing with all those teams. It's kind of gives it a weird college type type feel where you saw you always see other college athletes and stuff supporting the other sports. Um, but it's kind of cool, at least if you know if you're a fan of a certain city or whatever it may be, to see that crossover. Oh, I agree, and I think especially with the NBA, it's probably the most recognizable athletes you're going to see just because with the NFL, guys are wearing helmets all the time, and they're just pure quantity of players on teams. You're not going to recognize everyone. And same, you know, baseball, there are just so many players, it's hard to recognize. You know, you got all-stars like Mike Trout and Albert Pujols and you know the big names that you're gonna anybody's gonna recognize, but outside of that, uh, you're you, I mean you're fifty fifty shot if you're gonna recognize guy. But with NBA stars, I mean you're gonna recognize just about everybody. If people yeah. see LeBron James, you're gonna know who that guy is. Right. You have the physical, just natural thing of them too, where they just naturally stick out because they're oh all, sure they're seven feet seven tall. Feet tall. <laughs> yeah, that might have yeah. something to do with you it. You got that factor too. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're pretty recognizable, but. No, it's it's kind of cool with, with just with the Cavs in general to see them them together. Part, I mean, you know, they're they're keeping things going, keeping that party going, cheering on the Indians. Um, you kind of just see it's LeBron and the boys now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that that translates into the season and how they'll act. But definitely seems like a, a close knit group. They've got that core core group of guys that are tied. I know, you know, Iman and. Kyrie were playing Pokemon Go in the off season, working out. They've got the him and Jordan McRae with their their dance crews. So. <laughs> yeah, but so here's a question though. So Kyrie hasn't been any at any of these games, has he? Uh I don't think so. I know this on the Twitter red flag. Side. Ooh, no, I don't think. I, <laughs> yeah. I, just I mean, think I know that's a, that's a stretch, but yeah. I, I mean, did I think it was kind of interesting. He was really the only integral part of that team that hasn't been there. Yeah. I haven't, I don't remember seeing like if Kevin Love. I mean, it's not, you know, who's there, who isn't, but, uh, I mean, yeah, Kyrie's also kind of just a different guy than some of those dudes. I feel like just with his background and stuff, he, even after the championship, you know, you kind of saw him do his own little solo, solo run, run of celebrating. And, uh, right. That's true. On the little, little boat excursion. Sure. Little boat excursion. A little, uh, Kind of doing the becoming the Dan Bozarian of the NBA for a hot <laughs> second, but um, yeah, I just like he kind of seems like he's this very you know individual, uh, motivated. And, I mean, he might have friends outside, you know, and don't necessarily have to be friends of the people you work with. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm I know I'm reading too far into it. I just thought it you're was just interesting. To cause trouble. I guess so. Stir, stir up Cavs camp already. My bad, man. I'm. Yeah, I've, the Cavs are, you know, as long as they have LeBron and as long as they're healthy, I don't really, I'm not really worried too much about them. No, I mean, yeah, it's, and I think this year you're going to see a, well, we'll get into it more obviously, but just how they're going to manage that team and, and who how, I in my opinion at least, that regular season team's going to look and, and play a little differently than maybe they will come to the playoffs this year. But Sure. All right, well, our, our next topic, and this has been more recent news in the NBA, is a new collective bargaining agreement that is supposedly 
going to be agreed upon in the next couple of weeks or finalized in the next few weeks, I should say. So, uh, you know, there are some things that are going to be st- staying in this collective bargaining agreement. Some parts of the CBA are going to be slightly different, but I'm going to hit on a few of the uh, big things that were are either staying the same or will be different going forward. Or, you know, this is things could change, but tentatively agreed upon. It's been reported. Uh, so it sounds like the one and done is going to stay. PJ, what's your gut reaction on that? Do you agree with it? Uh, see, this is the, so this is the one I've always been conflicted on because I don't really like the one and done being in college basketball. It's not good for college basketball. I don't think it's great for the NBA. Um, I've always kind of felt like the NBA could really model it off of baseball. You know, I think there's certain talent. You know. Very few, but there's there's certain players, generational talents that, you know, they're just physically, you know, ready ready to go in high school. And I mean, I think if you did something where, you know, you had the option to declare after your senior year of high school, um, you should be allowed to. I think you're 18 years old. You should be able to make that decision. Um, but if you commit to college, I think you should have to stay two years. Um, you know, I think that looks good on the NBA too. These kids, you know, you question what a what a real college education for a student athletes like this day with the big time programs, but you know, two years you might be able to give at least you know in trust that they have to go to class, you know, pick up some things, you know, if for some reason their their pro career doesn't work out, um, some built in, you know, just you know, general well being for those players. You want them to land on their feet no matter what, and I think that's a kind of a good way to go about that, um, but. I mean, what do you, what do you think about the? I'm I'm with you on this. I don't understand the one and done because, like, what is going to be accomplished in that one year of being in college that's going to prevent you from being in the NBA? And are you really going to take that many steps forward, just as far as refining your game, being in college that you wouldn't be able to do if you went straight from high school into the NBA? I mean, if anything, I would argue that if you have that first year in the NBA that you're not contributing much on the court during the season. I mean, you still have so much more free time compared to when you're in college that you are around NBA coaches, NBA trainers. And I think that you're going to be able to take a much larger step in that one year than if you're in college. And on the flip side, if you're a highly touted recruit in high school, but not to the point that you're ready for the NBA. Well, I think that if you're in a college program for two years, I think that you can make significant progress and up your NBA draft stock in that amount of time. So, right. I mean, doesn't make sense. To, oh, right. I mean, and the one and done too. I think it's just you're kind of extending that AAU. Um, kind of, I mean, these kids will go in. They'll they'll be the best player on their their college team. And I think one thing that a lot of guys struggle with sometimes is, is that initial struggle you have and you know you want to be able to see a guy how they handle that um you know, you're talking about the sophomore slump a lot of guys with the one and done it, it works they're able to get out before that they put together you know four months of, of good tape and, and performances but you know from a, a scouting perspective and you just look at the quality of the, the nba product you almost would rather have these scouts get two years to look at them could understand the the makeup of these players personality wise and a lot goes into that too and um i think in four months you can still you know the whole reason the one and done was to prevent these kind of immature high school kids 
underdeveloped, not you know players that weren't ready. There was a big fear with how that was impacting the game, but I don't think one year of college really changes that too much either. I mean, certain players show and don't, but you're not going to really get a true – I don't think you're going to get much better read than if a kid just came out of high school. No, I, I agree. Uh, but moving on, with so an- another thing that's likely to be changed with the upcoming CBA is – changing how extensions work in the nba so currently teams are only able to offer a three-year extension and that's going to be or it's you know it very well may be going up to being able to offer a five-year extension so you know if i'm if i had lebron james on a three-year contract and he's likely to leave like he was going like he did with the heat uh, and, you know, maybe LeBron's not a very good example because he's, frankly, can do whatever he wants. But let's say, uh, like, with the, I mean, the the big example with this is with the Thunder and KD. So, the, you know, they have KD, they extended him, or they signed him to a, another contract a while ago, and it obviously ran out this season. Yeah, back in 2010. Yep. Yep. And they could have, the best they could offer KD is a three-year contract. And I believe it's for less money as well. But I, with the CBA changing, they're going to be able to offer a five-year max contract to a guy like KD in that position, which is, I mean, you put that on the table to Kevin Durant last season, maybe that changes something. Maybe he's still with Thunder. So what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the Kevin Durant thing is is a little bit of a tough situation to compare to that. But I think... You know, it's good for the, the NBA. The league's healthy. Um, just definitely be able to commit to players and, and, and get them, allow them to maximize their, their value whenever you can. I really believe in that. So um, I think it's definitely a good move that players, that opportunity. Um, and you just got to see those the teams, at least now, with this huge influx of money. How are they going to manage that properly? You know, What, what are the assessments going to be on that, and how do you value a, a player? And properly assess you know their long-term value to you because five years is a long time i mean that's it's a big commitment teams haven't had that option so. yeah it is but i think that when it comes to talents like i mean not even kevin durant but i'm trying to think of a good example like when like where what steph is in right now i mean the warriors would love to hand steph a five-year max contract yesterday to stay with that team five years from now. So when you have a guy like Steph or, you know, any any young, consistent player that's improved from year to year, I would think that they would offer that five year as soon as they're off their rookie deal. Or as soon as they're as soon as they're no longer in restricted free agency. I think you I think if this will change how teams I think it's really gonna eliminate the amount of players that are bouncing from like free agency is gonna be completely different. Yeah, I, we'll I see, one, but I think the one thing the league and I know the last CBA there was a big concern about, and the super team kind of caused it in some ways too. Was just um, with the Heat. I, I mean, not we'll get into other super teams later, but you know, <laughs> with Miami Heat was just. But for a while, the league was always concerned. I remember with Darren Williams too in Utah. It was just keeping these small markets wanted real to retain their stars and keep them for a while. And when they had a, a legitimate player, you know. Uh, owner wants to keep that get draw draw fans in build up a, a team i think um be able to have that option to extend that longer 
is good. Now, you know, with that, you want to build that team up and give that guy a chance to be in playoffs and have other success as a team. But um, to be able to retain that local talent, you know, whatever it may be, that small markets, I think that's a big win for them especially to be able to compete with the the bigger markets. Right. Well, so as far as the CBA goes, as soon as that uh, is officially, assuming that it is completed within the next few weeks, I'm sure PJ and I will discuss it a little bit more. Uh, but I really hope that all these reports coming out are true because uh, the last thing we'd want to see is a shortened season like we did a few years ago. Right. I don't think you're you're going to get to that point. I think it's everyone's no, it sounds recognizes the league's healthy. It's its popularity is higher than it's ever been. You don't want to stop that that momentum. Keep keep things going. You don't want to have a work stoppage. And just you know, NBA. There's there's nothing but positive things to say about the league right now. So it's right. it's good to see they're being proactive and getting ahead of this this thing now. For sure. So our next topic that we, PJ and I want to talk about, and I'm going to let PJ introduce it because. Uh, I think it's pretty funny, and he certainly came up with this idea, is our, our super team power rankings, which we'll be checking in periodically throughout the season. Uh, this is, of course, talking about the two super teams in the NBA, the uh, Golden State Warriors and the New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah. So, PJ, g- give uh, give uh, the listeners Absolutely. a little bit of an intro on this. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there's been, you know, everyone knows that the, the talk of the NBA offseason has been the, of course, the Warriors, the Durant coming there, forming a super team. But, you know, it's, it's been them. And as Derek Rose pointed out, the other super team, the New York Knicks, that's the only t- the two super teams everyone's talking about. So I think it's important we, we check in on them. We do keep that going for Derek Rose, make sure we're talking about them. And so we're going to, you know, give a power rankings of the two of them every week. Um, and maybe every couple weeks just to make sure, see who's, who is the the more dominant super team? Um, and right now, I guess for my week, uh, I got to give it to the New York Knicks. Are I think a little bit higher on the power rankings. I think they're one, and the Warriors are two. Okay, hot take. All right. Well, why why do you think that? Well, um, I'm glad you asked, Ultra. I uh, you know looking at the most recent Rolling. Stone I go by I go by Ultra sometimes. By the way. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's his nickname. It's ingrained in, in my brain when we're talking to Justin so anyway cool. keep going yeah um, so yeah I mean if you look at that Rolling Stone cover of uh, KD he's wearing uh, it's not good he's wearing a, a white uh, tank and jeans uh, I think I saw saw on Twitter someone compare him Chase Serrano comparing him to a uh, 2001 R&B artist uh, which <laughs> I can't, I cannot argue with. Um, it's a pretty weak cover, and Katie just looks like he rolled out of bed and took this 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 photo. And I think it kind of hurts the overall uh, optics of the the Warriors going in the season. And it's very uh, Joe Dirt meets the NBA vibe, and I'm not into it. No, I don't know. I I I, I, I typically don't dig too deep into this kind of thing, but I have no idea what he or whoever threw out the idea of him wearing that outfit was thinking it, it looks it looks ridiculous it's, and then you're and this is after you just left russell westbrook who is 
gets a ton of love for his fashion sense. I mean, I've he's had some misses, but that dude usually tries to dress to the nine, or at least puts more effort into what KD put into being on the cover of a huge national, nationally uh, popular popular magazine. Um, yeah, I, I guess in that sense, I have to agree with you. Yeah, and I mean, too, you know, the New York Knicks, um, things things are on the up and up for the most part for them. Derrick Rose, uh, his off-the-court off, off issues uh, with his civil case, um, not being found guilty on, on those charges is definitely a, a nice thing for the Knicks. Um, being a Bulls fan, I'm certainly gl- glad that just that aspect of, of Derrick Rose is, isn't affecting the Bulls going into this year. and. Yeah, we'll see when contract. it comes to. We'll see what happens when the criminal case ends up being yeah. uh, being There's a, a thing. Stuff but. there, and yeah, we'll as that kind of happens. But I mean, as of right now, there's they're they're getting ready to go, and I think uh, I think the Knicks are a little bit ahead right now of the Warriors. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep track. I'm sure that that very well might change this season. But uh, I guess going into the start of the season, we've got Knicks one, Warriors two in the power rankings. <laughs> but uh, uh, moving on, uh, another thing that we want to talk about is the GM survey that just came out this past week. Uh, you know, they ask all the GMs in the league a uh, lot of different questions from ranking players at every position to uh starting your team to you know best international player i mean then they break down coaches if if you haven't read it check it out but there are a few of them that pj and i want to or a few of these questions that pj and i want to dig into because we think they're pretty interesting uh and the the first one that we're going to start with is starting your franchise with and so sorry one sec uh, so if you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? And GMs polled, uh, their answers were 48% for Carl Anthony Towns, 20% for KD, 17% for LeBron. And then there were a few other uh, random players that were scattered in there. But um, PJ, what what are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with Carl Anthony Towns being like, would you start your franchise with Cat or would you go with someone else? I unequivocally agree. I think Cat is going to be the next four or five years an obvious MVP candidate, uh, real strong. I think he will win an MVP. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, the kid's immensely talented. You look at how how much progress he made within that first year even and, and the way he's developed. Um, it's pretty exciting, especially with the Timberwolves. I know we're going to talk a lot about them this this season. Perhaps, perhaps, right? <laughs> Dip into maybe. It, I mean, he's got he's got everything uh, as far as attributes go, and, and the size and speed. I mean, the guy the guy moves so well, and I mean, as long as you know, barring any injury, I, I don't see why how you could pick anyone else. Um, the only other guy, you know, it's him and Anthony Davis and I think kind of DeMarcus Cousins the big man might be fading away but just as far as a staple um you know Cat's Cat's one of the best you could you could go with so I'm having a tough time disagreeing with you on this I'm uh I'm a huge fan of Carl Anthony Towns 
you know, at a position that's honestly just the center position in the NBA is becoming less and less popular, at least in the standard sense of what you think of, of what a center is and what that position does. It's it's slowly going out the window. You don't have very many back-to-the-basket post-move centers anymore. Um, I mean, even Boogie, who has a pretty like, – has a pretty – he's very – efficient when it comes to being able to score with his back to the basket he's even extending his game out to the three-point line now so he's not exactly what you'd call a traditional center and uh but carl anthony towns after his first year you know he the second half of the year his numbers took a huge leap and i think that it's only going they're only going to be going up going forward uh so i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna go you said i agree with everything you said on cat but it was kind of surprising to me with this one that Steph wasn't even really in the top three. I mean, he was less than 5%. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, this is a guy that's won two straight MVPs. He's he's you know, He was all the talk of the NBA the entire season last year, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, he has KD on his team now, and it's is it because there's so many other good point guards in the NBA? I mean, what do you think? No, I think if you look at kind of Steph's skill set, um, he does a lot of great things, but obviously the biggest thing he is is a scorer. Um, and I, I think that NBA teams a lot of the time, as far as looking at this, value that a little differently. I think you always need guys to put put the ball in the bucket. That's that's the whole point of the the game. But you know, when you look at Durant, LeBron, Carl, Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, some of these other guys, you know, their physical abilities, Steph is definitely not the biggest athlete you know that's not what you think of yeah. first. i think yeah. that has a lot to do with it and just the the different the versatility of staff i mean he's a smaller size but i mean these other guys you look at you can put them in multiple positions move them around in different ways and, and give allow your team to put out different looks i think are some of those those characteristics but i mean the one crazy thing to me about this more than anything is like anthony davis last year was the cut above all of them and and this year it's kind of you know who anthony davis who almost he, he was at well it's just his year, it's his you know? it's those injuries man they're yeah. so scary with him i mean he's had so i mean he's you name it he's run into some problem or like it's not one thing but it's he just seems to be one of those players that struggles to play through injuries and often has something wrong with him and how do you how can you rely on that when you have such like he's been in the league for I think four years now? I mean, that's a pretty big sample size. Yeah, I mean, I think too when you just I mean with him, his his usage and and kind of his supporting cast has always been a little uh subpar and I don't know if they've had the best fit for him. So, you know, I think in some ways, but you also don't know with the guy I've never really read anything or seen with with Anthony as far as his offseason work ethic and stuff but you know sometimes guys struggle with with their ability to to stay on the court just because of that that offseason prep um but yeah he, he's running into some bad luck with injuries but I still think it's it's pretty crazy to me that just because of some of that I mean he hasn't had any significant surgeries or anything like that it's just some of these nicks and bruises and it could just be him you know learning to to develop and and kind of play play through some of that too in my opinion 
right? I mean, I think that, I mean, it's just, if you could guarantee that he's not going to be hurt, seriously hurt or spend, you know, he's going to play 90% of games for the rest of his career. I'm thinking, I mean, he'd probably be my take. I would probably take him over Carl Anthony Towns just because of everything he does for you on the defensive end as well as the offensive end. You know what I mean? I, it's just those injuries, man. It's too, it's unfortunate. I really hope this is the year that he can stay healthy for, you know, 80 plus games and maybe, maybe get a eight seed or something in the playoffs. But, uh, so moving on another question that we wanted to, you know, that I'd like to talk about is, uh, who is the most underrated player acquisition? You know, there were, there was a trade on draft night between OKC and the magic, uh, the George Hill to Utah, Jeff T to Indiana, a three team trade, uh, you know, KD, I think, you know, he, Kevin Durant being signed by the Warriors was the, the biggest shift in landscape and the biggest addition a team has had. But, you know, what is, uh, what is your underrated pick here, PJ? What are your thoughts? So, I mean, they went with the George Hill trade to the, the Utah Jazz, and I I know going this year, and we'll talk about it in our, when we get to the preview, uh, one thing I want to bring up is the Utah Jazz. They're getting a lot of love, but I've always liked George Hill as a player. I think, um, you know, that's been one area of that team you they've struggled with. They've drafted Dante Exum a few years back, and he unfortunately tore his ACL last summer, um, so wasn't able to play last year. So I, I think, though, to have a, a, a solid veteran like George Hill, I think he does a lot of real nice things on the court. Um, necessarily isn't the flashiest player, but can create his own shot, get shots for other guys and, and looks. And I think for that kind of a team, you're going to need that. Um, now, is he a top 15 player at his position? No. he's. I mean, he's definitely closer to average. But as, as far as things you need a point card to do, and how that team's kind of made up at this point, where they're you know still going with Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, having two big men. I think he's going to get the ball to them, and I'm sure they're going to be doing a lot of pick and roll sets with with George. And I mean, I liked him on Indiana. I thought he was he's their second best player besides Paul George. So um, I do like that one a lot. I, when they picked that, I I totally agreed with it. Yeah, I, George Hill's fine. I. I think it was a good pickup by Utah. He's the best point guard. And with, like you mentioned, that XM injury, uh, with him being hurt and not really being able to see him develop last year, I think it's a, I think it's a good pickup by Utah. I think he's going to do some nice things for them. Uh, not my pick here. Uh, and this may be kind of, kind of out of the blue, but mine's actually Andrew Bogut. And that was third on this, this list 10.3 percent of gms picked him as the most underrated player acquisition i really like bogut not so much from i don't think the warriors are going to miss him that much uh you know when you have the lineup they do it's not going to be huge i mean he did some nice things to them you know what they were able to do with uh using him in the pick and roll good passing big man that rebounded and played was a pretty good rim protector i mean he did some nice things for the warriors but you take that and you put it on dallas with dirk and i know people hate on harrison barnes gets more hate than just about anybody in the nba and maybe it's rightfully so but you know you still have dirk you have west matthews two years removed from an achilles injury or was it achilles or acl i i, I don't know but uh west, west was acl 
Yeah. Okay, ACL. But so I'm ho- you know, I think that him being a little more explosive, Andrew Bogut coming on this team to be able to play pick and roll with Darren Williams a little bit more, I think it's going to help them a lot, space the floor, get some more open looks. Uh, and I think that he's just going to be a good veteran guy to have on that team. And Rick Carlisle will, you know, he maximizes the value out of players. I think that he'll be able to get Andrew Bogut in some spots that will really help this team. Yeah, I mean, I've liked Bogut. Um, he's always, I think he's contributed a lot to the Warriors. Um, I'm not, not as high on the, the really maps or how that's going to play with them, but I think it's uh, it was a good landing spot for him. I think his role can get expanded a little bit. So, no, I mean, there's certainly – this year there was a lot of a lot of moves that happened. So it's um, yeah, it's interesting to see how these pieces are all falling and now you're going to look and see how these, these reformed teams are going to mold together and, and, and mesh. Yep, um, I agree. Uh, you know, the Jeff Teague to Indiana will be interesting too. I'm excited to see how he fits with yeah. – with, uh, PG 13 and all the, I mean, they've made a ton of moves this off season. So that seems going to be fun to watch. Um, so the last, uh, the last question on the GM survey, I want to talk to you about Peach is, uh, which player you want taking a shot at the end of a game. So Steph overwhelmingly won this on the GM survey. 75% of GMs thought they would pick Steph over anyone else to take a shot at the end of a game. Uh, and last year was Steph as well with 51%. LeBron's number two, and then a handful of players after that. What, uh, who would you, what are your thoughts on this? Well, Ultra, I don't know if you've been on the internet recently, but I have. The, uh, I'm on it right now. Are you, are you, were you aware that the Warriors blew a 3 1 lead? I am. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, who, who had the ball in the end of that, uh, game, game, uh, game seven with, uh, uh i believe uh who took the last shot in game seven um oh man i'm playing out his name i get your point though i know steph had the chance to tie at the end of the game steph, i mean steph got taken out with the Marie, maurice closeout. maurice spites took the last maurice shot spites, of that game maurice spites did but um no i just that the play with with kevin love going one-on-one with steph and, and steph doing a pull up when he i think could have driven right past past kevin but oh no doubt time. Different different time to discuss that maybe. Um, yeah, I mean we may no, have to we may have to do a deep dive on Game Seven. That's or just that series in general. And I but, guess with this question, I mean I I do agree. I just like to I kind of wanted to do this one just to because I did think it was kind of crazy that it was so overwhelming. Steph obviously Steph's the best shooter in the league, the best shooter of all time. Well, here's my thing: is that I wouldn't take Steph. I would take Kyrie Irving because oh, if you remember oh. the possession before that who hit a three over Steph after like a six minute drought of neither team being able to hit a shot you know Kyrie just isolation step back three in Steph's face like I'm I'm team Kyrie I would take him in this situation I I understand why people are saying Steph Curry and you know everything that happened with like his game winner against OKC the second half of last season ever i mean that was one of the greatest games last season or maybe during the regular season in the nba for i I don't know how long but i mean when it really counted Kyrie stepped up yeah i mean no i i i would so i think steph makes sense though because this is just a a shot they're they're creating their own shots steph can 
finals he wasn't necessarily healthy. Um, you can question that, um, but he was still on the court, so has to perform. You know, if he was unable to do his job, it's too hard to play. That's another thing. But I mean, if this question though, it's interesting because if you phrase it a little differently, instead of taking a shot, but who do you want the ball in? What player do you want to have the ball with the game on the line? I think LeBron. Yeah, I would say that a little bit more. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, well, I mean, LeBron, just his passing ability and his size, it's going to be, it lends himself to get to the rim a lot easier as well as, I mean, his mid-range game is pretty good. It's, you know, he's from three-point line out is definitely, his game's diminished over his career. But, uh, you know, that dude, I, I would take no one else to give him the ball and make him, you know, make a decision, either make a play or get someone an open look. Yeah, I would take LeBron any day. No, absolutely. But I, I like your Kyrie. You know, I, I think Kyrie probably should get a little bit more love on this. It just, you know, Steph was at 51% on the same question last year. Now he's at the 75. It's, uh, the Steph, the Steph Kool Aid is just flowing in the well, it's, GM offices. I mean, I get it. That guy made more ridiculous step back, center in your face, three point shots last year than anyone that I can, I, I anyone's probably made in their career but i i still think that when answering this question a lot of gms forgot what happened in the in the nba finals last year because kyrie irving he made uh he outdueled steph on more than one occasion so um all right so moving on from the gm survey here pj and i want to dig into a little bit about just some things that were really looking forward to uh seeing or kind of keeping our eye on for this upcoming season um so pj i'll let you start man what are your what are three big things you're kind of excited about going into this year yeah so i'm gonna go three to one so it's a number three on my list is uh the orlando magic and how how they're gonna kind of fit together here because you kind of mentioned um, them acquiring sergey Mbaka. they also some of their other off-season acquisitions, they got Bismack. Um, they picked up Jeff Green. Um, that's a that's a team that's already has uh, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic. Um, I know right now they're trying to give Aaron Gordon a run at small forward and how that's going to work. But um, I mean, it's a pretty interesting. Obviously, they got got rid of Victor Oladipo, so just in general to see how they're going to work on what the actual style of play is and what Frank Vogel is going to going to do I think is is a pretty interesting something I'm interested in for sure uh, as far as us, what we're going into for this year yeah what a what a weird offseason it was for them I mean I was I understand why they dealt Oladipo if you're not if you like Fournier and you're not sure on the guy I understand why they dished him um uh, and but it, at the, on the other hand it's it's super risky long term because you don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to Ibaka now but um I like Ibaka I think that you can play him small ball five you can certainly pair him with Vucevic or Bismack Biombo um and just try to beat the crap out of the other team on bo- on the boards I mean um it'll be interesting I think their point guard situation's a mess so I don't I'm not a believer yet in Alfred Payton, but 
Yeah, I mean, they should be a fun team. I, I mean, it would be a really cool team to see. You know, Frank, I like Frank Vogel. I'm kind of surprised that he got thrown thrown out of Indiana. But right, I mean, yeah, I think the one thing you brought up that's an excellent point with the bit the sur the Sergio Maca trades. Yeah, they only have him for one year, and I think that Bismack signing is kind of was their insurance policy on that. Um, but well, that's a bad insurance policy on Serge Ibaka because Ibaka can do a lot of things that Bismack Biombo can't. Right, and I think um, so. Yeah, I, I think this team is kind of set up and kind of doing two different things. They're one trying to obviously develop into a, a contender in the East, but you know, I think this off season they kind of caught themselves maybe. Uh, doing a few things that they, they were trying to create insurance policies for themselves, you know, going with Hazonia and, and Fournier over Victor Oladipo. I mean, it's a, a, a big-time franchise decision. But I, I, I'm the, especially the Aaron Gordon at the three spot, that's the, the one area, like, if that works out for them, that, that, that changes it a little bit more because if it doesn't, you've got so many – powerful you know these the middle tier. i mean jeff green is the poster child for a, a guy without a position kind of that odd forward right spot. so it's uh it's yeah go- that's that's one gordon is just such a fun player man I mean, he's he's just so athletic i mean obviously people have seen the dunk the dunk uh, competition and how he just i mean lit the world on fire and did stuff that i didn't think was humanly possible but um you know playing him at the three It'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, if the guy can shoot threes consistently and make thirty five percent of them out there, and um, you know, work on its ability to to drive and kick and and make some more, you know, be more of a playmaker, it'll be it'll be an interesting thing to watch. Then the Magic certainly are fun. Um, you know, it's not a terrible free agent destination, so maybe it'll be. Interesting. I don't think their cap situation is going to be great, especially if they do end up hanging on to Ibaka. But you know. No state income tax. Um, they've had some success, although it's been pretty sporadic in the past. I, I don't know. They they could be in a worse situation. Right. And I mean, I think they kind of they acquired as much talent as they could to, through the off season. They just wanted to acquire some guys. So, I mean, I think they've got some decent trade chips. But um, I mean, I, I that's really all I had. I mean, well, they're obviously. I mean, I'm intrigued by them. Magic. I'll be looking out for you. Um, but my second one, I'm sure you're going to get into this too, but it's obviously got to go with the Timber Pups, the Timber Wolves. I and don't have them on my three things because, oh. uh, you know, that will become – people will peop, – <laughs> the listeners will know my feelings towards uh, the Timber Pups or Timber Wolves uh, if you continue to listen to this podcast. So I figured, you know, that's uh, that goes without saying that I'm very excited mm-hmm. about that. But yes, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing my uh, my old bud Tom Tom get his, his his get back in the league, get his reins there. And I know obviously the Timberwolves, not a shocker, are kind of the, the team everyone's looking out for to make a jump. Um, they're probably maybe a year away, but I still could see a, a good scenario where they make the eighth seed. Um, I picked them as the eighth seed because I'm I'm all in on on Cat, um, and that's that's banking on seeing how how Andrew Wiggins develops and I I think if he's able to 
take a take a bit of a leap. That team that seems legit enough to to do something this year. Yeah, I I have them as made seed as well, and we're gonna get into our playoff predictions a little bit here in a while. But just um, a little tease for everyone. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but they have a lot of really good pieces. They certainly you know no one. Very few teams in the West are in a position to make a run at a title, and they're not there. Uh, but a playoff, making the playoffs could be huge for a team like Minnesota, where they've, as an organization, have had very little success in the NBA in general. Uh, I don't think they've made the playoffs in nine years. I could be off there. It may have been longer. But, uh, you know, they they have a ton of talent. Tom Thibodeau should be able to put them in a much better position and um, very excited to see it. And I'm really high on Levine too. I mean, Zach Levine, it was interesting. They've never been able to decide, well, is this a guy that we want to bring off the bench? Do we want to start him at shooting guard? Are we going to try him at point? I think that shooting guard starting next to Rubio or Chris Dunn or whatever. I think that, I mean, he just, he brings an element to this offense that, that no one else on their roster can really do. Um, it's going to be fun to watch them. I, I'm super excited as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I'm uh, we already talked about Cat too. So, uh, but my number one is um, so I know in the little intro, if you did listen to that, Ultra mentioned this this thing called bias. And, um, <laughs> I uh, I don't necessarily think I'm a very biased uh, basketball fan. I think I'm pretty level-headed, but uh, one thing I'm not, and I'm irrationally overconfident, and have an abundance of love for is is one one large, length lanky Greek man named Giannis Antetokounmpo, and my number one thing is seeing him at that point guard position this year. Um, the Michael Carter Williams trade to the Bulls with Tony Snell, uh, all but secure that the Bucks too are all in on this Giannis as a point guard experiment, and I could not be more excited about anything in the NBA than that this year. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great way to get the pieces that they have to flow a little bit better if he's able to master that and take on that position, um, because the guy is. As his nickname would indicate, a Greek freak. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm super bummed that the Bucks in general are are going to be in a tough spot just by losing Chris Middleton. It's, I mean, he was a big part of that team, and um, they're really lacking shooting right now, despite getting Tony Snell. Um, but the Greek freaks going to do some going to do some pretty freaky stuff. I mean, point. Point Giannis is going to be a beautiful thing to watch. I can't wait to watch him this year. Uh, I'm not at all surprised he's your number one. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, the last thing yeah, I just want to play out with it too is just that. I mean, the matchups that if it goes well, the mismatches that that creates for them. Um, just the idea of a Jabari Parker, Giannis Antetokounmpo pick and roll situation. Um, I mean, what more could anyone ask for as a basketball fan, right? I, I, I don't know, man. I can't think of a single thing. Not one. Not, <laughs> not one. one. Not a single one. Steph, 
KD, listen, it's, it's fun. <laughs> you might be the talk of the nation for now, but you know, Giannis, I see you, man. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna tear this thing up. I know it. Huh. Well, Peach, um, now that you've got your three done, I'm gonna rattle mine off here. So, so my number three thing that I'm looking forward to this season is, and this is pretty general. This may be kind of cheating, but uh, trades. The season of trades, because I really think that not just at the trade di- deadline, I think that we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot of trades this year. I think that uh, I don't see Ricky Rubio ending the season with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I don't Ooh. see, I don't see Demarcus Cousins finishing the season on the Kings. Uh, I think the Nuggets have a deal to do. Uh, I, I think some players are going to be moving around. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. There, I think players are definitely moving. That's I'm glad you brought that up. I totally agree with two of the three of those. Uh, the boogie, I'd like nothing more than boogie to leave the basketball hell that is Sacramento. Um, that'll be interesting. But no, it's uh, that's a great, a great number three, a strong <laughs> number three from you all. Thank you, thank you. My number two is Memphis. And I know Memphis is a pretty <laughs> non-sexy team, but that they a- they they shelled out 50 plus million dollars on Mike Conley and Chandler Parsons. Uh and they still have I mean I know that they're going to bring Zach Randolph on the off the bench, but um I'm I'm very interested to see because they've had seasons where in the regular season when players stay healthy that they're a top 3 team in the Western Conference, which is huge, but you know, is Mike Conley really the thirty million dollar guy that Memphis wants him to be, or and is Chandler Parsons' knees going to hold up that he can actually be a starting small forward in the NBA for more than sixty games, or you know, what's going to really happen out of that? I'm interested to see. I just have to say that knowing you now for six years, the fact that you're number two is the Grizzlies is (laughs) one of the funniest things I've ever heard. We didn't talk about what our three were before this, Um, so this is a live reaction to this (laughs) one. Oh, my God. You're saying, oh, the non-sexy team. Well, yeah, Ultra, but, like, that is just – I think if you'll learn anything on this podcast that I like – I'm a simple man with simple tastes. I like flashy things, flashing lights, but – Ultra Ultra likes finer the finer things in basketball possibly. Maybe I've been listening too much to Chris Vernon on Just the, the grit. You're a sucker for grit. I guess so. Uh, I don't know. I've always liked Chandler Parsons when he was with the Rockets, and then he uh, was pretty lackluster um, when he was with the Mavs. So I just have to say, from a culture perspective, Chandler Parsons could be like. If you were to make a, a meter of like NBA players and their characteristics, like Zach Randolph, Tony Allen would be on the exact opposite end of like what I think of Chandler Parsons. Like they are could not be more opposite just <laughs> how they play, their personalities. You know, it's uh no, but I, mean, I think I think they're gonna take a dip this year. Um, but you know, yeah, if they're all healthy, I mean that's a you see it every year with any NBA team. It's you know whatever teams make it out that regular season the healthiest more often than not like those and especially their star players they're going to be in the playoffs and have a pretty good season right yeah I, we'll see but uh getting to my number one here pj my number one pick 
is Joel Embiid coming back to the Return basketball landscape. <laughs> Return I, uh, I mean, people are hyped up about Cat, but this is the same kind of player coming out of college that people were excited about and how athletic he is and being able to shoot, out, shoot outside of the paint. And just, I mean, his social media um, yes. impact yes. alone is, is spectacular. So I can't wait to see what he does with the Sixers. I would have even, if I could put it higher, um, I, you know, it would be a lot higher if they had uh, um, Ben Simmons was healthy because I think that that pair would be really <laughs> something else. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Um, I'm I, Joel Embiid. I'm, I'm Team Embiid. I I mean if if his if he's able to slide in the paint as well as he slides in the DMs uh he's going to be doing all right. No, I mean Joel has been the last 2 years a Twitter monster. It's been amazing and if he's half as good on the court as he is with his Twitter game, I'll uh, I'll absolutely be a treat. That's a good that's a that's a fun number 1, definitely. All right, PJ. Um so we're getting towards the end here. Let's um, let's talk about teams in the West and teams in the East. We we see making the playoffs and uh, who kind of who we think is going to make it to the to the NBA Finals this year. Yeah. So um, I guess yeah, we want to go the East first. Sure. Sure. Why not? All right. So I guess I'll just I'll rattle off the couple teams I have. So obviously. When I was looking at this, there's, I think, a, a clear kind of four teams, I'd say, are pretty much guaranteed going to make it. I think it's been the kind of consensus for a lot of people is that Cavs, Celtics, Raptors, and Pacers, I think, are all have the experience, have the talent. I think uh, as far as making the playoffs, I think you know, where those teams will fall will kind of be dictated throughout the year. But, um, yeah, I think those are going to be kind of your top four, that first – I think the Cavs are obviously that one tier, and then the, right after the second tier is Celtics, Raptors, Pacers. Um, and then there's that big glob of teams. Yeah, then it gets kind of messy. That five through, maybe you'd say like the five through 10, five through 11. Um, you know, who are those next four spots going to be? And so I've got the Pistons, Bulls, Bucks, and Hawks right now are my kind of the squads i think of that are gonna that's kind of that is a little surprising it's uh pistons Pistons, in particular i mean yeah i mean the pistons is the one i'm not 100 percent confident on as much but and the hawks but you are but you are with the bucks though (laughs) oh i'm so ultra i'm sorry if you uh missed the segment i just no 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 need (laughs) <laughs> it's uh I mean of that group and I mean, I mean we talked about Miami at the beginning of the show too and uh I think depending on how that forms they've got the pieces there I was really between them and the Hawks cuz the Hawks too I'm not 100% sure on yet but um I mean they still have enough of that team that won over 60 games a couple years back I think they can do something um that's banking a lot on Schroeder. Schroeder being able to take over Jeff Teague in a expanded role, and you know Corver and Bazemore being able to really dominate on on with their roles on this team as well. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, 
Hmm. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that far off. Um, I. I personally don't. I so I'll give you my eight, and then we can talk. But uh, I have Cavs, Celtics, Raptors, Pacers in the top four, like you. And then after that, it's kind of tricky as far as what you want to go with. But I have the Wizards in there. Um, I think that they. I mean, it's a kind of a crapshoot on with. I mean, the question with them tends to be health, but. I think if John Wall and Bradley Beal are healthy, that's a really good combo. I think they're going to be they're going to be solid, man. I think the Otto Porter. I've always been kind of a fan of him, three and D wing guy. Um, I think they're going to be pretty solid. I see them making the playoffs. I have the Hawks in the playoffs, although I think that they definitely take a step back with um, you know losing Al Horford and bringing in Dwight Howard. I mean, that's just I'm less concerned on the floor. I'm more concerned locker room. Uh, is this guy, is Dwight going to mesh with all these guys and you just paid Kent Bazemore? What is his role on the team really going to look like? I think there's a lot of questions. And, you know, Jeff Teague's gone, so you have Dennis Schroeder running the ship now. I like him. Uh, I don't have any reason to think he won't be at least an, an league average quarterback or quarterback, league average point guard for them um but there are just so many questions with them and then rounding it out i have the knicks and the bulls which i know is uh you know i mean super team uh number one right now uh i had to have them in there and although the bulls have some questions with spacing and uh some pretty weird acquisitions this off season i, I still think they they've got the They've got enough pieces there, and with D Wade and Jimmy, I think they win enough games to get in the playoffs. No, that's a yeah, and that's I think it's gonna be so tough to actually put to nail these these eight, just because that those that blob of teams is gonna be so mixed. Um, you know, it's really who can get to that forty-five win mark. Um, you know, of those teams that make that, they're obviously gonna make it, but um, who's gonna be able to long-term health-wise? Is always a question, but um, yeah, the East is going to be interesting just from that perspective. I think there's going to be a lot of great games on the stretch too of teams, you know, a game or two two apart going down. So the quality might not be there as it is maybe in the West still, but I do think the overall parity of the East and and what everyone's bringing this year is has improved based on everything that happened last year. Right. All right, man, give me your West picks. So for the West, I've got Warriors, Spurs. I've got... Oh, that's the, that's a fun noise. Yeah, I don't... Oh, jeez. This is an error. Big time mistake. I don't know what this is. Oh, <laughs> is, that a, is that a phone call? Yeah, something. <laughs> You're fine. I don't know what's going on. Uh, technical issues on this end. we got the Warriors, Spurs, Clippers. Um, are kind of the, the top dogs here. And then I've got... Trailblazers. Um, my next team I've got is the Jazz, and so with the Jazz, I know some people are talking about them maybe being top three, even top four. Um, I think best case they're the the fifth best team in this the West, um, but I kind of have this vibe with them that I did with the the Bucks last year. Um, just kind of, I mean, last year I was all in on the Bucks being a, the team to make the jump, but. They obviously fell very, very short of that. Um, but I kind of wonder, just with the, the Jazz, they didn't make the playoffs last year. Can they really go from being like the ninth team 
And I mean, they, they I, you felt bad them not making it too because they really tried and pushed it to, to the limit as far as what they could do. Um, With but, all the injuries they faced, yeah. Yeah, it's just they kind of crashed and burned there at the end. So, um, But I think, yeah, if they're healthy, um, I think Gobert is just going to be a vacuum when it comes to think every ball around the boards uh, defensively. But then I also – so then at six I've got Rockets. Seven I've got the Thunder and the Reign of Rust Terror. And um, eight I've got the Timberwolves, as we kind of talked about earlier. So – I'll give you I'll give you mine and then we can talk a little bit. Warriors one, Spurs two, Clippers three. So same as you. Uh, then I've got Trailblazers. I have the Mavs next at five, Uh-oh. and I know that's that's pretty high. Uh-oh. But I don't. I like Rick Carlisle. I'm not a huge fan of Utah or Houston. Um. And I, I know I talked about what I thought was there, or it'd be interesting to see what Memphis does, but I don't have Memphis in the playoffs. Um, I don't think that they're going to make it. I foresee them. If they run into any injuries, I, I don't think they're going to be able to put enough wins up to make it in the West, you know, with competition being so good on a night to night basis. Um, so then I have the Rockets, I have Utah at seven, and I have the Timberwolves at eight. Yeah, and so I I like the Rockets. Um, I think, yeah, they changed some things up and were able to get other shooters around around James. But, yeah, it's the James show. I'm banking on him kind of actually trying this year to start start it out, not not getting another coach fired uh, with D'Antoni and and see kind of what that offense, everything looks like. But they had a lot of chemistry issues and just overall – flow of the the team and that offense offensive side i think they they've got to got to adjust and you know really try james has got to be a creator more than anything for other guys on that team if they're gonna have a chance um but your mavs pick man that's uh see i think i have i've kind of broken the the conditioning of just believing that the mavs are gonna make it because i um I mean, they've they've squeaked out playoff appearances the last couple of years when I've thought they were going to finally drop off, but uh, I think it's the, I I just kind of bank on. I think this is the year that you don't see them in the playoffs. I think uh, they did take a dip. Now, if Harrison Barnes decides to elevate his game to a spot that I don't think he's capable of, he wants to prove me wrong. I'm cool with that. I mean, I that's that's probably. Well, man, best. I'm just. I'm thinking, so they were the seventh seed last year. Right. Were they the seventh? Yeah, seven. No, sixth seed. Sixth seed, because they, the, they played the Thunder in the first round, right? Oh, man. Now we're, uh-oh. This is where we look inexperienced ultra. I I'm almost was... positive. Anyway, my point is they made the playoffs last year. They Chandler Parsons didn't play for them, and when he did, he wasn't healthy. And yeah, Harrison Barnes. Do I think he's a top thirty player in the NBA? No, I mean I don't think he's what he's going to be for the Mavericks is to be determined. I don't know what you're going to see with it, but if he is ninety percent of what Chandler Parsons could be when he's healthy, then this team could. I think that you could see them making a little bit of a jump, and you know I think Dirk is really going to be. 
Um, I'm not going to – my faith is still in Dirk being a quality NBA power forward until he proves me otherwise. Yeah, and I, the you were right. The Mavs were six, so um, yeah. I mean, I can maybe. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm worried about <laughs> you don't agree. <laughs> no, you don't I agree. Don't, I don't at all. I, I mean, I, I think their bench to kind of. I like Dwight Powell a lot. Um, you got a couple guys on that bench, but um, what I saw last year from them, I mean, I'm going to need to see some some players on that team really take step up, kind of elevate themselves. I mean. Darren Williams has not been the player he was six, seven year, years ago. So, um, you know, how what he's impact he can have on, on this team too. So, they're definitely there'll be a there'll be a, a good league pass watch though. I'm I'm definitely gonna watch a lot of Mavs games and I mean with all these teams, yeah, we're gonna get into more of the ins and the outs. Um, I thought we'd save the people my Bulls Bulls takes this time through um, until we get kicked off. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean it's I'm excited for this season. I think uh there's a lot lot going on in the league right now. Um so I'm I'm glad we're we're getting this thing going. Yeah, me too, man. Uh do you wanna do um playoff predictions or do you wanna save that? Ah, why don't we save it, maybe. Okay. Alright, man. Um Alright. Well I think that's everything I think that's everything that we're gonna cover today. Uh we're, Super excited for the NBA to start this coming Tuesday. Uh, I believe I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast, but right now the the podcast is available on iTunes as well as YouTube. Uh, just the point forward uh, is the name of it. Um, but uh, hopefully it will be in Stitcher, and you know we're certainly open to adding it to other outlets if that's easier. So, we'll like I said, please also. I'm sorry, PJ. What was that? Oh, I said that we were going to have it on the website also, man. Oh. There. Oh, shoot. So, yeah, so the website. Uh, we also have a website. <laughs> um, Jeez. I'm sorry, we're gonna PJ. We're going to improve. Hey, it's the first time. It's our first one. We're probably should have led with the website. That's okay. <laughs> so we do a, We do have a website. Uh, do you have the URL, PJ? Yeah, it's the, the Point Forward MBA. Uh, .com www.thepointforwardmba.com so that's pretty easy to remember um, please check it out right now we just have podcasts on there we'd like to add um, some some blogs, some stories uh, some interesting, funny NBA vines, I mean it's going to be kind of a mixed match of stuff but please check it out um, we'll also have links to the podcast to listen to and download that on the website so um We'll come out with another podcast soon. We'll help, hopefully we'll have this one up uh, tonight or maybe sometime on Monday. But uh, PJ, nice talking to you, man. Nice talking to you, brother. Enjoy, uh, enjoy some NBA. It's officially back. It's back. It's awesome. The league's back. The association has returned. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening.